right. Here we go. Quiet. And the Oscar goes to... You like me right now. You like me. There's a mistake. Moonlight, you guys won Best Picture. Fascinating to think that probably the only laugh that man will ever get in his life is by stripping off and showing his shortcomings. And the Oscar goes to... Jack Palance, City Slippers. It's a clean sweep. The Lord of the Rings, The Return of the King... Hello and welcome to the Big Picture Podcast, where we take a look at the latest movie news, the films of yesterday and today, and put it all into some sort of context. Seated across the microphone for me is Film Buff Online contributing editor Natasha Bogutsky. And seated across the microphone for me is Film Buff Online editor-in-chief Rich Drees. I know that was very bland and very boring, but tonight has been a bland and boring and a pissed off night. And I'm usually really good with the Oscars. I know. Uh, so, how's it going? I guess is the. Um... I don't know. Let me ask you that. <laughs> how's it going, Rich? Well, that happened. This Oscar ceremony was disappointing. I've been watching for over 20 years. This has been the most boring Oscars that I have ever watched. I've been watching for about 40. And, yeah. And, um, one, you need a host back. Two, oh, God, yes. I'm staying offline for the next couple of days. I don't want to be around when the black film community loses their fucking shit. Because I'm really <laughs> Deservedly so. Deservedly so. Mm-hmm. Yes, so, obviously, it is literally 11.26 Oscar evening. The Oscars wrapped up a, less than five minutes ago. Um, I threw the uh, recording set up together really fast, and you needed to actually walk outside and, and get, get a, some air. Get yeah. some air. Um, the big upset, of course, should we top Tapple, At this point, it's yeah. going to be all over the front pages tomorrow morning. Yeah, so morning, let's do this so, first. Yeah. Let's get this out of the way first. And that's... Anthony Hopkins winning over Chadwick Boseman for Best Actor. And after everybody thought uh, Chadwick Boseman, you know, well, I don't want to say he had it in the bag because that sounds like he was actually campaigning when he wasn't. He, you know, it's, you know, unfortunately. He you had know, it he, in the bag because he won almost every every award on the road to the Oscars. Exactly. You know, um, he had won the uh, SAG Award. The I'm trying to pull. This I think up the BAFTA really was the only one he didn't win. Yeah, um, yeah. SAG, Golden Globe, Critics' Choice. Um, Anthony Hopkins won the father. Uh, won for the father at the BAFTAs. I think the only reason I know that is because I re I re-listened to our podcast this morning from last <laughs> week. Um. So yeah. This this is incredible, and I'm I'm really shocked. I know you were just like what. And we were already reeling because they presented picture they, before actor. Yeah, the, before and actor actress. and actress, which is unusual. Usually, it's actor, actress, or actress, actor, director, best picture. And for some reason, they mixed up that order. And I know they always try new things every year to kind of keep things lively. And but they never do that because that downgrades the work of the overall picture of the year, which is what yeah. people gear up to. The yeah, best picture, you know, everything kind of points to that top of the pyramid. Mm -hmm. And 
that was just the most insane thing. You know, we were both sitting here going, wait, why are they doing Best Picture now? Did Rita Marino screw something up? And, I you know, I, we she, hop- she was actually holding a Best Actress envelope. When was the, she? Yeah. Okay. When the media said Best Picture. Behind and, her. And then they did the nomination clips, and by the time they came back, she was holding a Best Picture envelope. I'm not kidding on that. I was looking at the envelope. Wow. Okay. I would have to go back and, you know, rewatch that. It just seemed like the weirdest thing to do. Um, I I just don't understand the reasoning. Stupid. There. It was so stupid. Mm-hmm. In a way, it's it's your way of saying that actor and actress are more important than the picture. Which it feeds into celebrity culture. And I yeah. hate that. I know. Because you... that downgrades the work. Mm-hmm. It does. And it downgrades the work of everybody involved in a way. And it's just And I thought, okay, they're they're saving actor for last so they can give it to Chadwick and you know, it's a nice towering, you know, crowning glory. Mm-hmm. And then Anthony Hopkins. Yeah. Well like I said, I don't want to be on social media the next couple of days. Okay. I mean that's that's one way of looking at it, definitely, but they have to arrange this stuff not thinking who's going to win, who's not going to win. They can't look at it like that. They have to just kind of arrange it in certain ways, making choices based not on who their gut feeling is going to win. And while, yes, it would be great to have, you know, the Academy Awards climax with Best Actor after Best Picture, and it's Chadwick Boseman, which, you know, totally sums up the feeling of everybody who loved his work. And, you know, it is a nice culmination. Yeah, it's... It's a it's a nice Hollywood ending to his story. Yeah. Absolutely. I could absolutely see that. And Hollywood but, loves but, their own Hollywoodness. Yeah. Oh God, yes. Well, if that were the case, Mank La La would have Land. won Mank would have won more than two uh, awards. If but... that was the case, La La Land would have triumphed. Yes. Um so so is this more of an upset than um the whole La La Land the uh, mix up? Yeah. Okay. La La Land isn't going to have people freaking out in the next day or two. And after the whole Black Lives Matter movement and the whole George Floyd thing that happened over the past few months, and I know I was a part of I was part we, of the protest. We marched, yeah. We marched. Um this feels like a huge slap in the face. I can see that. Yeah. I can definitely see that. And I understand. Particularly and, yeah. when you know, the black community kind of raised Chadwick up as this pillar of th- their idol, of someone who mm-hmm. was strong, an powerful, an icon, yes. And then the Academy just comes along and says, you remember that fantastic final performance that he gave right before he died? Yeah, we don't think he's good enough. Bam. We're going to give it to a white, an old white guy. And I love the father. I think Anthony Hopkins was definitely in the second place. I would have given mm-hmm. it to him had Chadwick not been yeah. in this category. Oh, gosh, yeah. And I feel bad for Anthony Hopkins, who's now kind of caught in the middle of this nonsense. And, yeah, you know, we both loved the father. We both cried ourselves ridiculous because it's such a moving and wonderful performance. And I don't want to say Chadwick's only reasoning for getting this award would have been that he passed away. That is absolutely no, not absolutely true. absolutely not. His performance was just that fucking good. Exactly. Exactly. And 
Remember how we said it was his to lose? Well, he lost it. <laughs> yeah. And I'm kind of regretting those words. Well. <laughs> I know. We I, could we, not have seen it. No, I don't think anybody could have foreseen this. And except maybe one person who very smartly played, placed a best bet on Anthony Hopkins in Vegas, maybe. <laughs> uh, I'm tr- do they know. still take Oscar bets? I'm sure they do, and it's probably a good thing they don't, because I'm usually crap when it comes to predicting these things. Although I think for the most part, I was pretty good this year. I think I got... This year, I wasn't as great as usual. I think I landed 13 out of 23. Mm-hmm. Which is not good odds for me. Yeah. I, I was probably around 12 or 13 myself. I'd have to go back and count. And I'm not going to do that now this while we're was a, This was a weird year. Actress mm. I knew I was going to have some trouble with because, as we stated last week, um, every single award this year went to a different actress. Yes, and... We, just, we joked about giving the Oscar to Vanessa Kirby because she's the only one that didn't d- get jack squat. Didn't get anything, yeah. Poor girl. She was just sitting there at the table all night. She just looked bored as hell. Yeah. God love her. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's... Oof. And that's another thing. Can we talk about the boredom factor? They just kind of blasted through the categories this year. And I, I can understand Even then it was why. 11, it was like three hours and 15 minutes long. Yeah, and I, I can still understand why of trying to get through them as fast as possible. I mean, we've got people in a room, maybe some of them back, some of them half vaxxed, you know, God mm-hmm. knows. Um, but it's still COVID and people are very wary of having a lot of people in one space. But then if that is the case, uh... <laughs> Why put them at freaking tables? I don't know. I liked <laughs> I liked the setup. I liked the, setup the setup was really nice. And and I I mentioned this to you afterwards, but I do like, you know, how each person came out and they talked about, you know, remembering their first movie. That was a really great thing. And then Harrison Ford comes out for film editing. That was a and great thing. Reads a list of studio notes about the edit for Blade Runner. And I'm sure there was a couple of other, you know, Blade Runner nerds like myself out there going, yes, and Blade Runner partially shot in Union, Union station. station. Yeah, they uh, mocked up the uh, police station in Union Station for Blade Runner. Uh, so there were some things I liked, you know, and I liked that, you know, the emphasis of the award show was on getting back to the movies because ultimately the Oscars are nothing more than a promotional thing for the Hollywood entertainment industry so kind of getting back to their roots in a way is them coming out and saying i remember going to the movies it was great we should do it again real soon shouldn't we folks um but yeah you were saying and you know this is what our third year without a host yeah it th- third or fourth third i think but it it's 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 just getting, not good no the last couple of years have just kind of been eh and this year just kind of topped it off. Usually there's like there's a musical performance or God knows you've got parachutes coming down from the ceilings with snacks for the <laughs> for the people who are who are there. Um, this year it was just kind of, oh, we got the one moment of like Oscar trivia about original songs. Mm-hmm. Other yeah, than that, it was it was such a snooze fest. I think I, I walked out twice. I'm usually off my phone all night during the Oscars. Mm-hmm. The, 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 I you caught were... myself for like 15 minutes at one point just on my phone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's – I'm sorry, but it, you, you're right. It was a boring, boring thing. And 
you know, I get the idea of like, well, let's put the musical performances into the pre-show to kind of shorten the show down. It, but it didn't. No. We're still at three hours and 15 minutes, like I said. And they only did three out of the five. No, they did the other two before we started watching. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> well, it's so. a good thing I didn't miss Leslie, so I, I yeah. would have been livid over that. But it was, why? I, is that because either people who watch the Oscars only watch the pre-show or watch the show? I don't know why. Because that seems to be a, a, a thing that I've spoken to a lot of my friends about. People who are in the film and theater community and people who aren't. If they care at all about the Academy Awards, a lot of times they'll only watch the red carpet. Or they'll only watch the actual awards. They don't watch both. You watch both. I watch both. I generally just watch the awards. The red carpet stuff is it because it. You know, and maybe I'm stereotyping, and you've been kind of pulling me away from that stereotype. Thank you. Mm. Where it's just, oh, who are you wearing? What are you wearing? And uh, you know, a lot of those quick interviews are kind of substanceless. Yeah, but it's interesting to see sometimes who shows up. True, and it's kind of fun to play. You know, the Where's Waldo of who's walking around in the background, exactly, there and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, so. If you're trying to get more people and more eyeballs onto the pregame show, as it were, I can see that. Um, but you're losing something that I think the main show needs yes. to keep the energy up. Mm -hmm. I, I was looking at some, like I said, got poor Vanessa Kirby. This is her first time to the Academy Awards, and she looks like she was about ready to take a nap. <laughs> <laughs> she, her, There was no emotion on her face mm -hmm. at all every time I saw her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, it was energyless, and we've said this before. Every year they go without a host, and we've been doing this podcast now three Academy Awards. We have yet to you and I have yet to on air critique a host for the Academy. We have yet to say, oh, he did good. They didn't do good. This joke was funny. This wasn't because they haven't done this host thing in three years now, and it's ridiculous. They did it in the 90s, and then mm -hmm. they realized, no, we need hosts. Let's bring them back. Yeah. Well, guess what? Academy of Motion Picture Sciences, you need a host. Get them back. You need that compare. You need that MC, that master of ceremonies to usher you yes. through the evening, to provide a sense of continuity. And it just didn't have that. Just having you know a voiceover person saying, coming up next, it doesn't s supply that. And it's it's just a mess. Um. The speeches were longer this time, too. And they I were, yeah. I did kind of like that. I will admit, I've seen, you know, a couple of our friends online uh, saying, oh, my God, get the hook, you know, get a trap door, you know, just play these clowns off after a minute and a half. And I like the fact that especially people in like... Like Tom Thomas Wittenberg, who won for mm -hmm. international feature film for another round. There is a story behind that film that... I felt so bad when he's up there telling that, and he nearly burst into tears, mm -hmm. telling about how it was his his daughter had loved this script and what was actually going to be a part of it, and then right before they started shooting, she died in a car accident. Mm -hmm. And it's just God Almighty, like and those things that inspire you to go ahead and you know persevere to make this piece of art that is. You know, in her name. In her name, yes. yeah. And, uh, you know, I don't want to say, I don't want to 
praise it as a great moment mm-hmm. uh, because it's a very human moment. Yeah. And and we need more of those in these awards speeches, I think. Yeah, because um, oftentimes it's just very, thank you to the Academy. Thank you to my mom and dad. Thank you to God. Thank and then you they to. Yeah. Through a list it's, because. It's just a list. There's no know, story. There's nothing. Your best animated short film winner, you have 45 seconds to blast through a name of, you know, 17 people. And say something meaningful, and that's one of the reasons why I loved Olivia Coleman's speech a couple of years ago. Was <laughs> when they tried to play her off, she blew a raspberry at the camera, like, mm-hmm. like, yeah, right. And that moment just kind of solidified her as everyone's new favorite love. That's that's like when we were both mo- became hu- like, yeah, a human. We really liked Olivia Coleman. Now she's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> You, I think you said she at that moment she uh, she made the pizza and beer list. Yes, the <laughs> the very short list of uh, actors, directors, writers uh, who I'd love to just sit down with a pizza, a couple of beers, and a tape recorder, discreetly recording, and just having a hey, really cool conversation. Cut that last part about the discreetly recording. You just want to have fun with them. Oh yeah, but if it's somebody like like Marty Scorsese who's on the pizza and beer list, you know you're going to get a whole crapload of really cool movie suggestions out of him just in in his general conversation without even asking. Or if or Tarantino or something yeah, like that. Yeah, but at that moment you say, "Do you have a piece of paper and a pen? I got to write these down before I forget I, them." No, nah, just let the conversation happen and then go back and re-listen to it and write it down later. But yeah, so so the speeches were going longer, which was nice. We got a few other human moments like that too, uh, like the sound guys got to talk a little bit and and things like that. And I was like, oh, okay, this is good. I liked that. It gave some of these people more of their due. Mm-hmm. And we've both worked crew on short films. Yeah, and I one you know, and I worked on one independent feature. You day played on that, and. We know those people work their asses off, and mm. we know they don't get their time in the sun. Oftentimes, uh, a film day that would take eight hours turns into 15-hour <laughs> shifts. exactly, yes. Hour shifts, <laughs> because things go wrong, or you don't schedule right, or, like, crafty, or something. Something goes wrong, and so... You need to praise literally everyone who shows up to do the fucking work, exactly. whether or not they're getting paid. Because if they're if they are just there and there is no paycheck, that is a sign that people really love what they do. Mm-hmm. And and well, all these people obviously are getting paid very nicely. But I think, you know, for an actor or an actress, you give them that time because that's a ratings draw. I understand that. But, you know, just a. A respect, and maybe you could get people more respectful of the craft, the general public more respectful of the craft. If they see, you know, a production designer talking for two minutes and going, you know, you know, back when I was in high school, I had an art teacher, and they really inspired me, and they put books into my hands about Renaissance art and the Art Deco movement, and that's what inspired me to become a production designer. Somebody else could go, you know, I like Art Deco. Maybe, you know, I could look into what becoming a production designer is all about. You know, it could have that kind of positive ripple effect out there instead of just, you know, like we said, you've got 45 seconds to thank your wife, your son, your God, your God, and 17 other people who you worked with. Yeah, it's... (laughs) Yeah, no, that I really enjoyed that they did this. Yeah. Uh but ironically Oh my god, 
wait, 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 really quick. What do you remember you how I said I could have swore Misha Collins, uh, Castiel, was sitting at one of the tables at the Academy Awards? Yeah. I said, if it's not him, it's someone who really freaking looks like him. It was him. <laughs> he says, I'm at the Academy Awards tonight with my BFF since I was 12. He won two Oscars tonight so far for his mo- for his film, Sound of Metal. So proud of you, Darius Motter. Oh, that's cool. Oh, that's cool. my God. That's, that's brilliant. I knew it. I freaking knew it. <laughs> I'm sorry. That just made me very happy. I know. I know. And you... Just totally derailed my train of thought. Well, talk about a where's okay. Waldo of the Academy Awards. That's honey. true. <laughs> um, oh, okay. Uh, but for as great as it was that they allowed the speeches to go longer, it seemed like they were under the gun to get the in memoriam done as quickly as fucking possible, and they just plowed through that really fast. And you sure you want to go with that one? That was really, really. Really disrespectful, I think, overall. You do realize how many people they had to probably get through. Yeah. That usually takes about five or six minutes. Yeah, but... Here it felt like two. At the end of it, they said they actually put up like a link to go and watch. So I'm guessing it's a lot longer online or the list is a lot longer. I don't know, but it, it just, in the moment, didn't like it. And... I know we just had, you know, during a commercial um, about the worthiness of one person who I felt should have been in there. Go ahead. Adam Schlesinger, who was nominated for writing the song That Thing You Do for the Tom Hanks-directed film That Thing You Do, which was a hit, which was all over the radio for, for a good while in 1996 and 1997. And, and then disappeared. I know, I know. You... It's outside of your realm of experience, so you don't understand how big a thing it was at a the time. A big a thing it was at, there's your keywords, but at the you, time. You can't say, oh, if you did something amazing 25 years ago, and then, you know, then you die, and it, it still doesn't resonate the same way today as it did 25 years ago, you're ineligible for the in memoriam. You have to take their look at the work as it happened at that time. You 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 can't just dismiss the, somebody because they did something a quarter of a century ago. I think lasting then, legacy does play it a does. part it into does. this. But the fact that it was good enough to be considered for a nomination that year, I think automatically, if you're nominated for whatever, that's an automatic in for the in memoriam. I, I just think that's the way it should be. And that's going to mean... There are people who you don't really remember all that well or you don't know of now or you don't think about now. And that's fine because that causes you to go back and go, wait, let's go back and check this out and understand it. Because this is a the immemorium, if out of anything here, is always about the Academy's history and Hollywood's history. And there have been, you know, people who've shown up in in memoriams who were like big actors in the 50s and 60s and 70s who then you know kind of dropped out or disappeared or just you know retired and then 20 years later passed and then they get the in memoriam and i i don't see why it shouldn't have been that way for like people in the music branch as well um probably because it was one nomination that's it's lasting legacy. If you were a big actor in the 50s, 60s, and 70s for a long period of time, 
that you made waves. I mean, think of Gloria Graham. Mm-hmm. Famously, she is known for being the girl in um, It's a Wonderful Life. But then she did other things. She did in a, She became a big noir star uh, with In a Lonely Place and The Big Heat. And there's just been so many good films. And then she disappeared and then she died. And people kind of... I, I There was a movie put out about her like a year or two ago that said that was called Film, Film Stars Don't Die in Liverpool. And uh, Annette Bedding played her uh, at the end of her life. And I still have people who are just like, who? But I'm certain she showed up in the immemorium because she was big for a long period of time at a certain time in film history. One nomination does not guarantee you anything. It is how well the legacy of your work and of that nomination transcends film time. Casting directors show up in their songwriters, scores, you know, uh, composers. They show up because they have done more than one thing. Atticus Ross and Trent Reznor will be in an immemorium when they die down the road because they have done multiple, multiple scores going as far back as social network. And I'm certain even further back. I wanted but to... I will tell you right now, when I, you asked me earlier on to pull up that thing you do, the song, and listen to it, I had never this heard that. This is one of our biggest generation gap arguments we've ever had. You realize this, right? Yeah, and, here, um, and here's the thing. That gap is probably about two to three years in my knowledge of the 90s. Mm-hmm. I was born in 95. Yeah. My knowledge of the 90s is pretty damn good. Even though I was born in 95. Mm-hmm. You know, when it comes to fashion, when it comes to film, when it comes to music, I'm usually pretty damn good with the 90s. Mm-hmm. I have never heard this song. And then when I looked I at the... I surprised. And when I looked at the YouTube viewership, it had 625,000 views. That's pretty that, good. That is not good in comparison to lasting music. That is not good at hold all. Hold on, hold on, hold on, though. Think about the demo, though, for that song. I don't – I'm more of the demo to listen to that song, right? You would grant that, somebody more my age. I don't go to YouTube to listen to song, to music. I don't. I know you do. You're constantly on YouTube, and you have playlists of songs you like. And I understand that, but that's a generational thing too. You use YouTube in an entirely different way than I do. You use Pandora. Yeah. How often does this show up on Pandora? Um – on my soundtrack channel, I semi-regularly, I recall, but I haven't listened to my soundtrack channel in a while. I have the CD for it. It's okay. never shown up on my soundtrack channel ever I on have, Pandora. I have, well, that's also partially configured and songs are fed to you by your algorithm, by the algorithm at Pandora based on things that you've liked. But I have a lot of so, different channels. I know. And it's never it's, shown up, not once. Well, it's not going to show up on like an R&B channel or anything like that either. I'm talking about we are musical going, and soundtracks. We are going way too far into the weeds on this one. And I will just say I will just say that when because it's boring. <laughs> Quite honestly. I will just say that when you told me that he passed, mm-hmm. you actually had to tell me it was the writer of Stacy's mom for me to even know who the hell it was. Okay. And I'm sorry. It, 
well, I I was very upset about it last year when it happened. It was like I remember. right at the beginning of COVID. Um, I think I broke my stick that day. <laughs> but yeah, so so I know, and we've had a friend who passed away a few years ago who'd argue vociferously over emissions in the immemorium right now, and I feel like I'm channeling his ghost. With you, you are. <laughs> you most definitely are. So God love you, Paul. Thanks for the assist. Um, but uh, boy, what else was there that happened? Was what was? Was there any pleasant surprises for you with this, this hot mess of an Academy Award show? Because we've been dwelling on the negative. We've been very much upset about the, you know, the awards order, about everything. No. <laughs> <laughs> I literally, really? wow. I literally just looked over the list, and it was either incredibly predictable. Or it was, ugh. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, not ugh as in I hate the choices, just ugh as in I want to dive underneath a pillow right now and hide. <laughs> and I hope no one sees me because I'm a big Oscar fan and uh, I don't want to get my ass chewed out. Mm-hmm. I, I, mean, I will say I, Emerald You, you I were happy say, about Emerald Fennel. Yeah. I was happy about Emerald Fennel, yes. I, I did love the script for Promising Young Woman. Guess what? That was the only nom- That's the only one it got. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of... Uh, noms to wins? Noms to Are you wins. thinking what I'm thinking? Mank. Mank, yeah. <laughs> Ten nominations. Yikes. Two wins, which is a serious drubbing, <laughs> if ever there was one. Uh, but still twice as many Oscars as Citizen Kane actually won. So, <laughs> Which is arguably considered to be the best film of all time. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm just drawing that comparison because Mank was about the writing of Citizen Kane. Um, so that's funny in and of itself, I thought. But yeah. Yeah, it was uh, six nominations for Citizen Kane, one win. Here we had... 13 nominations and two wins. So technically, the uh, the aspect ratio from noms to wins Oof. equals out. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> Mank had a 200 batting average, which is not that great. <laughs> um, I mean, Young Jun Yoon uh, w- winning for Best Supporting Actress for Minari was adorable. <laughs> and you said? As I said to you and then on Facebook as well. Uh, and with this, everybody in the entire world has adopted her as their grandma because <laughs> she was just such a sweetheart. And she she was she was right. You know, how, how, how do I compete with Glenn Close? You know, I just got to be the lucky one tonight. And then, and then of course, she was flirting with Brad Pitt. And then he, he just very nicely escort gentlemanly escorts her off to the backstage area and just stuff. like yeah it was like and chris I'm evans sure, escorting yeah. betty white i'm sure she was probably just like woo my heart's a flutter good for her <laughs> um and i i do love when i see like big stars like that mm-hmm. and they're just like oh okay you know so totally super respectful to other people who are just like kind of they're their own level of stardom but it, right in that moment, they're just having their own personal geek out moment. Yeah. Because gosh knows we've been kind of like where we've had to be really co- kind of keep our cool around somebody. We're just like, oh, my God. 
God, I can't believe it. So Marlene Matlin, Mm -hmm. the always gorgeous, always incredibly clever and intelligent Marlene Matlin, Mm -hmm. uh, showing up to um, present in sign language, and uh, she got political. There was a few political statements, yeah. uh, which it's the Oscars. Of course, you're going to get that. Yeah, but she, hers was for documentary, and she went straight to the woman who f- uh, filmed the footage of George Floyd. Yes. And, and uh, I remember, I just, I heard you gasp. Yeah, I was like, whoa, we went there. Okay. <laughs> uh, and and by that point, we had already had... Um, Saying, okay, Lula. Saying, you know, we've still got work to do. We had the two guys who were nominated for, or who won for Best Animated Short, mm-hmm. you know, starting off their their moment in the spotlight with, tomorrow the police will kill three people. And then the next day, the police will kill three people. Mm-hmm. And then the day after that. And, you know, and I was like, oh, wow. You know, that I thought was really powerful as well. And then I loved um, Tyler Perry accepted his award for humanitarian efforts. Um, and he got up there and he goes, I don't want to hate anyone. And I, I thought it was really interesting that he was naming off groups and he says, I don't want to hate the police. I don't want to hate anyone. Mm-hmm. And it was. I, I like that. <sighs> there is this uh, this idea that you. And it's kind of a feeling that I got also when I was watching Black Klansman last year. You're either a cop or you're not. And if you're a cop, you're a pig and you're an, you're the enemy. Yes. Um it's it's much more complex than that at times. It is a lot more complex. Mm-hmm. And, and I say that it, y- which is why I think have... Black Klansman was so powerful a film is because mm-hmm. it was an African American who was also and a cop. We both have a friend who is a police officer. Yes. I have family who are in law enforcement, and I've had talks with that family member Mm -hmm. about things like this, and it's very difficult for them to deal with at times because they're like— People are picking sides. Yeah, and I'm like, look, the reason I'm for police reform is because I want your job to be easier. Mm -hmm. That's why I'm you know, for certain levels of gun— legislation because i want your job to be easier and safer and if we have to kind of redefine what your job is a little bit and then change other things societally i'm all for that Mm. but i really loved that he kind of went up there and made that statement of i don't want to hate you know blacks whites asians cops jews like Mm -hmm. no one and it was i i thought that was kind of very powerful in a point where we are always we're all kind of seeing the white and black aspects of it he was willing to stand in the middle and be the gray yes and um i think that might have been one of the most powerful moments of the night and it, he just kind of he didn't even say it powerfully it was just kind of a he it was just in threw, a long line yeah of- he just threw it out and and it was very much that it's just a matter of fact it's not it's not something that i feel like i need to put emphasis behind because why should i it should be just self-explanatory we're all human beings Mm -hmm. 
no matter what you do or who you are, we are all the same. We all bleed red. Exactly. Exactly. And that's something, you know, I think the movies, especially this year, powerfully conveyed. Whether it be, you know, the story of immigrants in Minari, whether it be the story of displaced uh, American workers in Nomadland, whether it's the story of musicians struggling against a system that systematically steals from them in Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, whether it's, you know, an alcoholic trying to create art in Mank, you know, whether it's whatever the movie is, there always there's always universal themes there. Empathy. And, universal empathy. Mm-hmm. And again, I'm going to... Go ahead. Ebert. <laughs> Ebert. Movies are an empathy machine. And... They are a machine that generates empathy. empathy. I was shortening it down just for once. Yeah, but misquoting it leads to the problem. Leads to the Casablanca syndrome. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> I know. Believe me, I know. Um, and uh, hopefully, that if there's anything to take away from this year, maybe it's that. That's a nice way to end it. Yes, I was gonna say, and I think that about wraps us up for this week. Remember, you can find us online at bigpicturepod.com. We are now available on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. So either use the link in the show notes post or head directly there, search and hit subscribe. And if you like what you're hearing, leave a positive review because that always helps us connect with new listeners. We will be back in two weeks because we're going to take a week off for a vacation from all of this. We are? Yes. This is the first I'm hearing Uh of it. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I mean, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> your benevolent overlord accepts your thanks. Uh, <laughs> oh, kiss my ass. <laughs> like I said, we'll be back in <laughs> two weeks uh, with more news and review. Ooh, and that's all right here on the Big Picture Podcast. Yes! Any office boy or young mechanic can be a panic with just a good-looking pan. And any shop girl can be a top girl if she pleases a tired businessman. Hooray for Hollywood! You may be homely in your neighborhood. Dun, 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 dun.